Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. God, he wrote a letter, and he sent it to the post office. He didn't have an address. It said, to the best drummer in the world. The postmaster didn't know what to do with it. He asked one of the mailmen who happens to be a drummer. The mailman recommended he send it to Max Roach, most famous bebop drummers of all time. He got the letter in the mail, and he was really pleased that they thought of him. But he also felt, well, I'm not the best drummer in the world. So uh, he sends it to Gene Krupa. Gene gets it in New York, and of course he feels the same way. I need to send this on. I'm going to send it to Buddy Rich. Buddy gets it in the mail. He is a black belt in karate. He beats his band members up if they make mistakes. He'd been waiting for this day all his life. Yes, of course I'm the best drummer in the world. So he opens the letter, reads the first lines, and it says, Dear Ringo. I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And from 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Jeremy Barnes of the band A Hawk and a Hacksaw. Thanks, Jeremy. And later we'll be speaking with our guest of honor, the Tony-winning rocker and playwright who goes by the single name Stu. But first, time for small talk. Rico, the headlines this week were macabre. We had torturers, dead polo ponies, and credit card executives. You already said torturers. You're right. I am now repeating myself. And to prevent you, dear listener, from repeating what everybody's talking about, we asked our colleagues at Marketplace to tell us about some lesser-known stories this week. Amy Scott, New York Bureau Chief, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, Barron's has a story this week about all the bargains out there right now for private jets. Wow. <laughs> That's right. So whether you want to... Char- There's a silver lining in every economy, Amy. Well, indeed. And this is if you want to charter a jet or just buy one outright, you're going to pay about 20 to 50% less than you might have a few years ago. What kind of deals are there to be had? Right now, a used Gulfstream GV is going for like $28 million. At last. What are they taking in trade on like a 2000 Corolla? <laughs> it has two airbags. Steve Henn, senior reporter at Marketplace. What are you going to be talking about this weekend? Chris Dodd's fundraising. Boring. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) this is Washington, so low bar. Okay. Dodd's facing this really tough race Uh this year. He raised like more than a million bucks in the last three months, but only $4,000 from residents of Connecticut. Just five people who he represents actually gave him money. Who's paying for that haircut is the question. (laughs) Yeah, well, what's amazing to me is the percentage. $4,000 out of a million. That's like 99.6% of his money. He's like the ivory soap of political (laughs) fundraising. But not so pure. Stacey Vanek-Smith, senior reporter at Marketplace. Go. Well, it's more bad news for the newspaper industry. And as a journalist, that's just what I want to hear. But I know. Happy Friday, Rico. Uh, Well, the largest newsprint maker in the world called Abitibi Bowater just filed for bankruptcy. Is Abitibi Bowater one word? Yes, it is. Maybe they went out of business because they used all the newsprint just printing up their incredibly long business cards. (laughs) That's true. As a conservation measure, they should have shortened their name. Uh, There's a reason why IBM is still in business. (laughs) And now, time for cocktails. This is where we tell you something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's our history lesson with a shot glass for a bookmark. That sounds difficult. <laughs> anyway, first, the history. 66 years ago this week, Bicycle Day happened. Now, the folks at your dinner party will probably think Bicycle Day is some sort of environmental initiative. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here to tell you just how wrong they are. 
On April 19, 1943, Dr. Albert Hoffman took a bike trip. Emphasis on trip. Hoffman was a chemist at a Swiss lab called Sandoz. Five years earlier, he'd come up with the compound LSD-25. He hoped it would help people with circulatory problems. But he tested it on animals, and all it seemed to do was make them, quote, restless. So he chucked it. In 1943, though, Hoffman suddenly decided to whip up another batch. He accidentally got some on his skin and got pleasantly dizzy. Interesting. A few days later, he conducted a controlled experiment on himself. He swallowed a quarter milligram of LSD, the smallest amount he thought could have any effect. Hoffman started feeling really weird, and things got weirder on the bike ride home. He pedaled like crazy, but the bike didn't seem to move. The world curved at the edges like a funhouse mirror. By the time he got home, he thought he was possessed by demons. But as the drug wore off, everything seemed beautiful. I myself and also, of course, some medical department realized immediately that was a very important agent which could be useful in psychiatry and in research. It didn't work out that way. The CIA tried using LSD for mind control experiments. Baby boomers started using it to make jam bands sound good. And by 1970, it was outlawed even for medical use. Looking back on his discovery, Hoffman called it his problem child. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm here on Hate Street in San Francisco, arguably the center of the acid revolution, at a bar called Alembic. Daniel Hyatt is the bar manager here. So Daniel, you've heard the history. What drink are you inspired to make? Well, I figured we needed a couple of things to work with. The one being that uh, the original discovery of LSD was made from uh, fungus. And so I thought we're going to need to put a little fungus in there and we're going to need to put a little acid in there. What kind of fungus do you put in cocktails? Uh, we're going to use a little white truffle oil. And then we need some acid, so I'm going to use a little drop of white balsamic. So I see you're avoiding the brown acid. I'm avoiding the brown acid, yeah. We're going with the, we're going with the white stuff. <laughs> now, the fun part here is we're going to play with some color. We're going to get some Campari in there. And we're going to grab a little bit of cassis, a little absinthe. See, I was going to ask when the absinthe was going to come in here. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it seemed to be a natural fit. It was built for it. And we're going to try and get these to just layer real nice. All right, so we have the green absinthe on top of the black cassis and the red Campari. we got a little psychedelic cocktail going just as it is. <laughs> I know, it is pretty far out. We're just going to pour in a little bit of, little bit of sparkling wine. So we're like expanding the mind of this cocktail. It's... <laughs> It's getting big. We'll just give it a little flourish with the twist of lemon peel. All right, and it fizz when you dropped it in there. All right, you want to try it? Yeah, I'm going to try it. That's delicious. Let me check it out. Man, that is really, really good. So what do you want to call it? Ah, uh, boy, let's just call it LSD 25, shall we? <laughs> how long has this bar been here? Uh, two and a half years. And how long have you had the uh, melting mirror mural? Yeah, it's, we just, I just put that in for you. <laughs> it's freaking me out. Rico, I'm never going to forget that cocktail. Yeah, it's really, it sounds very delicious. No, no, I mean, literally, I'm scared that I'm never going to forget that cocktail. It's, <laughs> it's going to keep coming back randomly. Just for the rest of your life. 
You think that sorcerer's apprentice hat that you're wearing is going to be a permanent <laughs> addition to your outfit as well? Yep, this and pants. Nice. <laughs> Get used to it. He's a changed man. <laughs> what do you wear when you're listening to the Dinner Party Download? People, tell us about it at our website, dinnerpartydownload.com. Our guest of honor this week is Stu. He's been making pop music for years in the band The Negro Problem, but lately he's become somewhat better known as the Tony-winning co-creator of a semi-autobiographical musical called Passing Strange. Spike Lee just filmed it, and that film is on the festival circuit as we speak. And first of all, Stu, how semi is the semi-autobiographical tale? Well, every single thing that happens comes from a real-life experience. The thing is, in some cases, it might not be my experience. It might be one of my friends who went to Europe, or or it might be James Baldwin's experience or Josephine Baker's. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's all true. So do you have people just assuming they know all about you from the show? Absolutely. And I tell you, it's, it's, um, it's a little terrifying. Really? They just go in, they see it, it happens, and for them, it's real. You know? Actually, that's interesting because the show is about a young artist trying to figure out the difference between life and art. He actually leaves his black, middle-class neighborhood to pursue this romantic ideal of life in Europe. Can you dig it? Welcome aboard Air Amsterdam Flight Zero. A panorama of sculpture, of music, painting, and culture. Non-stop to the real. An intellectual arcade that I say he needed to get laid. We have two questions that we ask everybody on this show. Oh, no. Yes. And the first is, what question are you sick of being asked in interviews? I guess I get tired of being asked what it's like to be a rock musician in the theater world. Why? Because now I feel like I'm, I'm a person in the theater world. So It's kind of like you've never not been a musician who then ended up in the theater world. Exactly. And I think that rock and theater are so connected at this point anyway that it's almost impossible to even talk about it. That's true. Thanks to Guar. Thanks. <laughs> or actually, thanks to Pink Floyd, <laughs> let's say, using one of your favorite bands. Well, it depends on I mean, I think every rock and roll performer ever is better than any musical theater actor ever. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Do you want to know why? Sure. Because when actors and rock musicians are kids, what do they do? They play in front of the mirror, right? Right. Actors go on to play other characters, and rock musicians go on to play themselves. (laughs) And rock musicians get really good at playing themselves. And if you ever watch the Rolling Stones, for instance, it's this play that happens every night. They do the same kind of thing every night, but it's a little bit different, and nobody plays Keith Richards better than he does. (laughs) And the second question that we ask everyone on the show Uh, It's sort of the converse. Tell us something we don't know, something that uh, no one at our dinner party is going to know. Something uh, you guys don't know, that we fought like hell against our Broadway producers to get the show to be as loud as we wanted it to be, and we won. They said it's not a rock concert. We said it's a rock concert with a play inside of it. And then when the reviews came out, all the reviews said, this is a rock concert with a play inside of it. And then the producers were like, okay, I guess it is a rock concert with a play inside of it. Kind of like Larry Tate on Bewitched. Remember how Larry Tate would be wrong and disagreeing with everything that Darren said? And then when the client would say, Darren, you're a genius, Larry Tate would say, see, I told you, Darren's a genius. You know, Remember that? Are you too old? Are you too young for I'm, Bewitched? I'm not. I just didn't expect to hear you compare your life to Bewitched. <laughs> 
We've got Stu talking about Spike Lee existence and just about everything else in a longer version of this interview. You can download it at dinnerpartydownload.com. You don't know me and I don't know you. So let's cut to the chase. The name is Stu. And I'll be narrating this gig so just sit tight. So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, where we tell you what's going on in the world of food. All right, Rico. So the past couple of segments, I've been kind of slumming it in the food world. I did a uh, story on grilled cheese, did a story on meatloaf cupcakes. This is a very nice slum that you live in. <laughs> it's a tasty slum. It's a very delicious food slum. <laughs> but it's a slum. So this week I decided to get a little classier, and I visited Le Sanctuaire what some say is the most exclusive culinary shop in the world. And you can tell it's classy because its name is French. <laughs> Exactement. It's a, it's a boutique for chefs in downtown San Francisco. <laughs> and you can only shop there by appointment, basically. So um, I grew a mustache, dressed up as a delivery man, <laughs> and I was welcomed with open arms. <laughs> Clever. I asked owner Alex Satil why he called the shop Le Sanctuaire. My brother started it, so it's his sanctuary. When he's in the kitchen, he seems peaceful. Well, could we take a walk around your shop and you could show me some of your things? We do uh, hard-to-find tools. We have spoon with clip. The herbs, they clip it. Then you can always consistently smell it. So we're describing this. It looks like a, a, it's a very sophisticated version of a clothespin, and the bottom lip of the pin extends into the spoon. And so when you're eating with this, you're just supposed to inhale that scent? Yes. Because it also could be used as, like, your wife could put a note saying, you know, remember to take out the trash. (laughs) Probably. probably. On your breakfast spoon. That's a good idea. Yes. (laughs) And then what is this next to it? That looks almost organic. Shark skin grater. Oh, my goodness. How does that work? For wasabi, like Mm -hmm. a fresh wasabi. Mm -hmm. So they use this grater to have the... And so the shark skin is kind of like sandpaper, and it it shaves it. I'm going to touch it here. Yeah, please. Woo. That's the closest I'll probably ever get to that, hopefully. We started introducing imported books uh, from Spain. At that time, the Spanish uh, movement starts, they call it the haute cuisine. It's a very uh, sophisticated cuisine. These days, they call it uh, molecular gastronomies, using different ingredients not normally used in home cooking or in restaurant cooking. So give us an example. So for example, uh, like jalan gum, craft food. If you go to your grocery stores, you look at the salad dressing, you see that all the herbs and the spice, they stay floating in the middle of the solution. They are using a jalan gum. The Spanish uh, introduced it first in the tabletop setting. France must be sad because Spain became has become the sexier food no, place. No, they 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 catching up now. And what is this thing behind you? It looks kind of like a like a robot. <laughs> this one here is uh, liquid nitrogen. Do you really eat like this? I want uh, for me personally. I want to practice. You know the molecular stuff. When I have more time, it's just I'm, you know, too busy with all the stuff. Well, as you were saying earlier, Kraft uses molecular gastronomy. Just get some salad dressing and cheese slices. It's a good idea. So, Brendan, all those college years eating mac and cheese out of an unplugged crock pot, (laughs) I wasn't a pig. I was a molecular gastronome. You know, I wouldn't go that far, but now that you mention it, they did have a crock pot at the store. Really? It was made entirely out of lizard hair. Do wizards have hair? Not anymore. And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. To keep up with us between episodes, we deliver daily Dinner Party fodder on Twitter. 
follow us, won't you, at Dinner Party DNLD. And you can also catch us on the Arts and Culture Show Off-Ramp, hosted by John Raby and Queena Kim. You'll find that at kpcc.org. Thank you to Jessica Dial and Kevin Ferguson. Uh, we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. The song's called Plenty is Never Enough. It was written by Tenement Halls, and it's covered by The Shins. Bon appétit. Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Let's just call it LSD 25, shall we? Did you just hear that? Um, what are you talking about? Let's, Let's just, just call, call it LSD 25, 25 shall, shall we? we? Um, nothing. <laughs>